Hi, everyone, and welcome to the PhD to Be podcast. I'm Dallas, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey. We're super excited to be here, as always. And today, we are going to be talking about questions you should ask um, when applying to grad programs. And we didn't ask any of these questions, I don't think. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to reminisce a little bit and then see what we maybe would tell ourselves yeah. when we were applying. So, yeah. hope you enjoyed today's episode. Yep. So yes, today we are going to be um, answering questions and giving questions that you may want to ask when you're applying to grad programs. Um, we 100% stole these out of our Bible study group chat. Um, we sure did. Because one of our friends is an MA student and she is applying to PhD programs and she kind of asked some of these questions and also asked what she should ask. And um, so we all kind of gave her um, some advice and different things she might want to ask um, before accepting or applying to a grad program. So I think this is a really interesting episode. It is application season is upon us. So if you are currently in the midst of applying to grad school, this is a great episode. Yeah, um, she asked when she was asking these questions she also asked like whether she should ask these questions before she applied or after she applied and so i think that that's like a really good question to to start with maybe just thinking about like yeah i mean it would make sense to ask before you apply right so you're not spending your money on the application right yeah and that way if they don't have what you're looking for you're not wasting your time or your money or if you don't do it that way i think it's okay but just know that you might not get accepted and you might lose that money right so i think we would probably recommend get all your information before you apply which means you probably got to start a lot earlier than you'd imagine you should always start earlier than you think you need to when it comes to these things because there are always going to be hiccups there's always going to be or it's always going to be more time consuming than i think we all think it's going to be um Yeah, I found that applying to grad programs was honestly one of the hardest things just to like do because it's so time consuming and there's so much material you have to gather and it's so expensive. Um, At least it's expensive if you are not a student. Usually if you're currently a student applying to grad programs, you can usually get that that, um, application fee waived. But um, as far as like sending your transcripts and your GRE scores like that, you have to pay for, I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to pay for my applications even though I was a student, so it doesn't always apply. Yeah, it doesn't but always apply. There's some schools that don't have that option. A lot of schools do. Yeah, I, don't I, know. I think when I was applying, when I was still a student, my first time applying to PhD programs, I think about half of them I was able to get the fee waived. That's awesome. And about half I paid for. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, even if you end up not being able to get that waived, ask you know just ask ask anyway because you know even if there's not something on the registration or on the application itself that says like usually when you're applying and you're filling out the application it takes you through some portal to fill out the application right 
and um then it'll usually bring you at the end like to a page that says like oh are you a current like do you need to get the fee waived or or request a fee waiver or something to that effect but if that portal doesn't have that um don't assume that that means you can't get the fee waived reach out to whoever is in charge of the you know if you're applying to the english department maybe you i don't know who you would message but you know message the dgs and say like hey is there any way i can get my application fee waived and if they can't do it they can at least point you to who could possibly get that taken care of for you and if the answer is no the answer is no but at least you tried yeah yeah i mean and that's the biggest thing like even if it doesn't get waived i didn't try i don't regret not trying but obviously would have been nice to not have had to pay for those things so yeah um just ask email see see if you can get it waived yeah i don't think i pushed it um like if if it wasn't like immediately available to me i was just like whatever um and then when i applied again i was not a student and then having to pay for all those application fees really was not fun yeah it can get very expensive it can it can um but yeah to your point dallas get started as early as you can i mean Mm -hmm. i would argue that if you're a senior like an undergraduate um in your final year i would start in oh man i'm trying to think because applications would go in your the fall of your senior year and if you know you're Mm -hmm. graduating in may man i would start maybe january of that year yeah it, it depends on um when the applications are due as well right and then also some programs will um ad- admit students in the spring and not just the fall so like if they don't admit till the spring then you can get started reasonably like in the summer or you know right. whatever it just depends on what the program is and when they're accepting most as far as i know though do only accept in the fall which means that yeah. usually the fall before is going to be when all your applications are due typically or at least into early january um yeah most of them are going to be due around like early october through january yes that's that was my experience as well yeah I yeah. think there were maybe like even a couple do like late September. And if, if that was the case, I, I ended up just probably not applying to, yeah. <laughs> to them. Like I think University of Texas um, at Austin, they're supposed to do like really early. Mm. And I think I ended up just like missing the deadline. Cause I was just like, there's no there's way. There's a lot at yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then if you're applying to public schools in Texas, you have to go through, um, it's a website. I think it's called, I think it's just called Apply Texas or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, it is. Do you, know, well, do you, you remember? You, yes, I do. I, I do. I, I didn't have to you don't have to do it for private universities like TCU, but you do have to do it for public universities in the state of Texas and that's kind of where a lot of the public universities go through that website. I think I want to say it's called Apply Texas. That sounds about right. And so like when I applied to AM, like I had to submit a bunch of material through that as well as like A&M's own like website portal, which was kind of a pain. So um, when I applied to UT or when I was planning on applying to UT, like I thought that the website, like the Apply Texas had like saved all my like stuff and it didn't. And so like I missed the deadline on that. So it was like that deadline was due separate from their own application. And I think that's why I ended up not even applying because I was like, I missed the Apply Texas deadline um, and they said, like, if you apply, send all your materials on time, but you didn't do the apply Texas on time, like, we're not count- like we're not looking at your application materials. So I was like, eh, missed the boat on that one, um, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Like, I ended up at TCU, so who cares? It worked out. 
it worked out but just like be wary of that i don't know that other states have that i but texas does so if you are applying to a public university in texas yeah uh, just make sure you're doing the apply texas stuff because it might be it might have a different an earlier deadline yeah so basically it's just check out all these factors like in advance yeah just get started in advance because it's it's there's going to be a lot of things at play and so um if you're gonna sit here and ask the questions or the or the things that we're gonna talk to you guys about you kind of need a little bit of time to be able to analyze essentially all your data all the research that you, you did on these programs and then you know make a decision of where you can afford to apply or what is going to fit your maybe not your needs because your graduate program doesn't necessarily have to do that but one that's going to seem like a one you want to be at yeah or at least cater to your lifestyle in some way like is yeah. it is the cost of living really expensive maybe that's not the place for you is yeah. the you know is the program does it have a lot of certificate options that you could get in addition to the actual degree do yeah. those look appealing to you if so maybe that's the place for you like you yeah. know you gotta you gotta factor in like yeah. what what you need and what you want out of a program and what you can deal with too yeah and you what know. you're willing to like sacrifice yeah. for a program but also what you're not willing to sacrifice exactly. for a program so yeah do you want to start we can just go through the yeah what's our first question so before we begin um a lot of these um not a lot of them i will say that before Dallas and I started recording, uh, she mentioned, we both mentioned, even to y'all, like that we didn't really ask any of these questions. But Dallas specifically mentioned earlier that she didn't even, she, she found a lot of this information on the school's website. And so some of these, you might be able to do that. So we just wanted to kind of start with that. So I'm going to start with the one that might be the most accessible, which is the PhD or master's program requirements, right? Mm-hmm. So the biggest one in that category, because we have multiple categories, so for PhD requirements or master's requirements, we have courses, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've written down a couple of things that we took from the thing, but things that we might be we've uh, added. So the first one is independent study courses. And so independent studies, for those of you who don't know, sometimes they're called directed studies. I don't know. They got a bunch of names. Basically, it's you pair up with a professor who is interested, researches, teaches, whatever, the topic that you want to create a class around. So let's say they don't offer a course in writing program administration. I'm using myself as an example. And you know that this professor does that. You if that's allowed in your to reach your course load number, you can create an independent study. Now, if that's something that is of interest or is a nice little backup in case there are classes that you don't want, you could reach out and ask to see if that's a thing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's the first one. Um, this is one that you said, Dallas, course descriptions from previous semesters. Yes. Um, I wish I would have asked in advance for previous um, semesters course descriptions because sometimes um, I remember getting the course descriptions sent over my first, like in preparation for my first semester at TCU. And um, I remember thinking like, oh, because when you're in grad school, right, like the, cl the class options are really limited because there's there's not going to be a plethora of grad school courses offered the way there is in undergrad. Like there's not like 50 intro to fiction classes in grad school with different themes. Right. So 
your course offerings are a little they're definitely more limited in grad school so sometimes like those courses just don't resonate and I think it would have been nice to see like what they've taught in the past to see if more of what they're teaching is aligning with my research interests or could be modeled to fit my research interests and I remember reading the course descriptions my first going into my first semester and thinking like hmm these aren't like the most amazing course descriptions or, or at least like they weren't the most um what's the word I'm looking for like they didn't seem as though they were gonna fit with what I was interested in but there did seem like there would be a way to kind of spin it um to where I could fit disability into the course which I was able to do that pretty much for all of the classes I took in my first year with the exceptions of a few that were very like specific like editing and publishing right like our big project in that class was helping edit a book for TCU Press obviously I didn't have control over that being disability but some of our smaller projects I was able to um work with disability in some capacity um it just wasn't like the big projects right um but I think looking at past course descriptions can kind of give you a better overall idea of what's being what has been offered what might be offered again in the future because some of these classes sort of repeat themselves um that you can kind of see like what might be up and coming or maybe if there's a class that they've taught in the past that really resonates with you and you're allowed to do a directed study you can kind of say like hey I was looking at you know this past course that was about xyz I really would love to do something like that and I see that it's not being offered this year is it going to be offered again in the future if not I'd like to do a directed study where I can kind of have this course or something at least similar to it where I can like work with these readings with these scholars um yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, to maybe add to that in a way, sometimes whenever you go onto the program's website and you see the profiles of the professors, sometimes it gives a list of the courses they've taught too. That's true. So that could be a way of sort of around that if for some reason they don't have that, which obviously they probably do, but that could be a way to kind of get you in the door. And then mm-hmm. if you want more information, then, then you can't, but maybe yeah. they don't have that on their website. I don't know. Yeah, they have it at TCU. I, TCU they do, but usually TCU I think has more of like what's currently being offered, not what's been offered in the past. And sometimes the course descriptions on the website aren't as good as what they would like email to us that makes too. Sense. Yeah. So if they, they might just give you the title right of the class with like a very brief description and you're like okay sounds interesting but like what did that class really like what I need to know more about what this class entails yeah and if you can get them to send you like a longer course description um that would have gone out to students you know um that's yeah. probably a good one but if they have it on the website like that's cool too yeah 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 the next one I think you also said this one Dallas how many courses are required for the program um and like basically like how many credits so like you have to take you know a certain mm-hmm. amount by the time you go to exams or whatever right. or go to your thesis yeah so speaking of courses um this is important because um you want to know how many classes you're going to be able to take because that's going to determine what classes you take because mm-hmm. it's limited right so when i was an ma student we took three and three the first year right like typical grad student usually is nine hours which is three classes um and then in our thesis writing years we did I think two and two I might be wrong on that though so you're 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 docked a couple classes that maybe you wanted that you would have wanted to take um so you need to be like really um you know choosy with what classes you decide to take um because you're not going to get to take 
you're going to be limited as to how many classes you can take. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's great advice. Yeah, and then on top of that, I think this might, I remember talking about this as well, where um, seeing if there's a specific curriculum that you have to follow, because the that might change up what you're allowed to take. So I don't know if Natalie experienced this in her master's program, um, but at mine, at A&M, we had to do like a class that was like pre-1900, post-1900, we had to have a bibliography and research class. Like there were certain classes that we had to take. Now you had your choice of what pre-19th century class you wanted to take or post-19th century class you wanted to take, um, whether that be British or American or like, you know, if you wanted to take an early modern class, right? Like that would count for your like pre-1900. And if you wanted to take, you know, American, uh, you know, post uh, 1865 or something like that. Yeah, like that would count mm-hmm. as your like post 1900, right? So, um, actually, know, no, that wouldn't. But well, it would. It would <laughs> go. It would go past it, right? Like yeah, you'd be yeah. reading more modern yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like if you wanted to take like a um, like a modernism uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. American lit like modernist uh, class or something. Like yeah, that would count. Um, but that like ate up like a lot. That ate up like three whole classes because that yeah. would have that would have been classes that I had to take one. Like I couldn't just take. If you're an early modernist and you just wanted to take all early modernist courses, well, you weren't allowed to do that, right? Like, you had to have certain courses. Um, I think we also had to have a, a theory course in some capacity mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I I don't remember if I... I don't know what I... I think I took something about um, feminist medical rhetoric or something like that. And I don't know how that fit into like a theory, but I <laughs> but think, it did. But somehow I was able to make it work um, because I I think we had to take a theory class as well. So actually, that's more than three. That's four classes that yeah. you're having to like that you don't have a choice in what you're taking there. You kind of have a little bit of choice, like if you want to do like uh, you know Shakespearean or mm-hmm. you know like I said like early modern or something like that or medieval yeah. literature that those could all count right but it's like what's being offered during the semester if there's only an early modern class and there's no Shakespeare classes being offered and you really need to take that pre-1900 class well it looks like you're just taking whatever's there you know yeah so it kind of limits your options so be sure that if you're in, in a PhD program some of them might also have more of that curriculum um maybe not as stringent as a MA program but um at TCU, we really don't have one, though. No, we don't. We really don't. I think the only class that's really required is it's for TCC. the rec comp to take mm-hmm. TCC. Teaching college composition. Right, and that's it. Like, yeah. we don't have a first-year, um, you no. know, intro mm-hmm. to grad studies Not class. anymore. We don't have a required theory class or anything like that, which Mm-mm. I thought was actually, because I remember asking Dr. Gill, who was our DGS at the time when we had our first advising appointment on Zoom, I remember asking, like, don't, is there not, like, a required mm-hmm. course that I have to take? And he was like, no. Yeah. So, like, at, at um, um, TCU, oh. or at TCU, we're pretty, like, we're pretty open as to, mm-hmm. like, what you can take, mm-hmm. um, with a few exceptions. Right, right. Uh, there's a little bit, there's a cap on, like, the directed studies mm-hmm. or how many classes you can take outside of the department, yes. for example. Um, but at A&M, it was pretty limited. And, I mean, if you wanted to go outside of the department to take a class, I don't know what the process was for that, but yeah. I'm sure like that also like there were some sort of requirements with that. I'm sure. Yeah. So ask, what are the classes I have to take? Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So now you know going in. 
Uh, the other thing under courses was whether or not you could take classes outside of the department, and if so, how many? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Just ask, because there might Just be ask. a class that you might want to take in history or in, you know, some other discipline. that Social sciences. Is, I don't know. Yeah. Sociology, anthropology. I don't know. Whatever your discipline is. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, just see what the cap is on that. Cause they might limit you to only being able to take like two or something like that. And that covers courses. I feel like those are some really good questions. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, the bulk of your program is going to be the courses. And so I think those are probably the most important questions to ask in my opinion. I think so. All right. Next category. This one's a small one. Um, housing options. Yeah. That's actually really important because you need to know if you're going to be able to afford to live in the place that you want to go to grad school at right so whether that's you're going to have student housing um which not a lot from my two grad programs they have graduate student housing i don't know about anybody else so i would ask and it's usually cheaper to do that than to live off campus but it depends on what you want right like at a they also had graduate student housing, but I was really adamant that I did not want a roommate, so that meant off-campus housing yeah. for me. Um, same with um, TCU. Like, I don't... I can't have a roommate, y'all. Um, I'll die. So, uh, you know, off-campus housing is best for me. Also, with, with, camp, with, with um, housing, um, also see if there's apartment complexes that kind of cater to the student population because those also might be one cheaper but two also might provide some sort of transportation to and from campus at a&m a lot of apartment complexes even if they weren't necessarily student oriented were still on the a&m bus route which was really nice so the bus route is free for students it runs like every 15 or 15 minutes i think during the day um and basically you can just walk to the bus stop from your apartment because it's usually at your apartment Mm -hmm. complex and then you just show your student id and they take you to the campus yeah same thing at oklahoma state yeah and um so but not every apartment was along the bus route so if you know that you're not going to be able to pay to park on campus or like if can't if parking is like a hassle on campus and you know you're going to benefit from something like um public transportation or i guess it wouldn't be really public if it's for the school but you know student you know student transportation or if there is a program where um public transportation is free for students and then that will help you to where like you can live off campus or something um yeah you need to look into all that it's really important yeah i mean just ask to see hey do you know if there's any graduate housing on campus and if you can guide me to some information and if not, like, do you have any just knowledge on anything that might serve a grad community? Yeah. And I don't know what Natalie's process was with finding housing when she went to Oklahoma State. But what my family and I did was we literally just made a list of all these apartments that looked decent online. And then we took like a weekend trip. I realize not everybody's going to be able to do this, but we took like a weekend trip to Fort Worth and we took a weekend trip to A&M when I went there as well just to go scout out all these apartments and anything that looked not great just scratched off the list didn't even go if it looked good we'd go in and you know do a tour and see because sometimes yeah you can view things online and everything but if you can go in person and really check it out that's that's probably better you know yeah i would recommend if you're able to go in person go in person i didn't you don't have to it's just what we did yeah no i think it's it's great advice if you're able to I probably was able to, but I just didn't care enough. And yeah. so I just didn't. And it was fine. So, 
just just see what's out there ask them yeah ask yeah. them what's out there the next one is research opportunities slash like non-teaching opportunities um Mm-hmm. One of the ones that one of our colleagues said was, are there any opportunities to publish or collaborate with professors? This is, I think, an interesting one. That's not one that I would personally ask, yeah. but I get why it's asked. I mean, it, it's just to know, like, how collaborative of a community is this? Yeah, like, if that's something that's really important to you, mm-hmm. that's a great question to ask. And, you know, being a grad student, so much is asked of you. Um, that now you are expected to publish, you are expected to attend conferences, you are expected to teach and build that CV. That way, by the time you're done, you are marketable. So you want to be able to do things that are going to add to your CV in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I wish that there wasn't so much expected of us, only because we're already doing so much, but... Um, So if you can work with a professor and do a collaborative paper that gets published, that's going to go on your CV and that's great. And then you didn't have to do all of the work by yourself, right? You had help with the professor. Um, Or if there's some other opportunity, like if the local, you know, if if the university is hosting a conference on site, that's something you can also, you know, apply and attend add to your cv and mm-hmm. you didn't have to go anywhere or really spend any money because you did it at, at the you did it locally right yeah so just asking like what are the what are the opportunities outside of teaching that people maybe partake in our professors doing conferences at panels with uh, other grad students are they doing you know other projects um you know mm-hmm. things like that like what are what's what's happened and what are people interested in doing yeah and i know um as well like even if you're not wanting to necessarily go into being a professor there see usually at least at at our at tcu like they'll even send out like internship opportunities at like the local art museum and things like that so if you're really interested in like public humanities or something like that's a really good opportunity um you know and of course that's all very dependent on like what area you're in um fort worth is a city we have lots of museums Mm -hmm. and things like that going on so it's a little easier to find those kinds of opportunities um that they're shared a lot Um, but i mean surely your professors will be able to like professors will be able to guide you yeah with different opportunities yeah no and i'm so glad that you brought up even just fort worth because yeah it's it's fort worth so we can only speak to that but even at oklahoma state like i remember so many professors were eager to have students go to conferences with them or like work on projects and and little things like that like even in smaller towns like in Stillwater they have their little museums and they still do stuff with them too so I'm really glad you brought that up because it just even if you just get a sense of like what's been done before like it could be cool you might even start something new with a professor that might be interested and has always wanted someone to do something specific with I don't know so it's nice to just see what what the vibe is and this is like not really related to like you doing any academic opportunities outside but also like attending the events that the university has is also really important because that's how you can make connections with other scholars that are like visiting so if somebody's doing something really cool and they're getting some fancy scholar to come give a talk at your university and you attend it and then you get an idea for something that you might want to do and then you can link up with the professor and say like hey i was really interested in you know the talk so and so gave the other day and i'd like to start something like xyz and see if they want to do that like you can still 
um, there's always ways to find opportunities to do things. Yeah. So just that's a, that's more of a be on the lookout situation. Yeah. Um, but you can always ask in advance, like what kind of opportunities are going to be available. Yeah. Um, alongside that, I mean, this is really, I feel like my favorite thing about pro PhD pro, or grad programs in general. Um, when we also talk about research opportunities, we're, we're talking about like, or like non teaching opportunities. Like, can you be an assistant director? Can you be a research, uh, assistant. A research assistant for the writing center or, or you know, whatever things right. are there. We mm-hmm. have the CDEC. So we have like the center for digital expression. We have an RA position for that. We have an RA position for Carmen Kennard. Um, we have RA ships for other scholar, yeah. other Dr. Robbins mm-hmm. and Dr. Hughes, Hughes all have, um, RA positions mm-hmm. and then you have the ADC. And so, um, it's nice to just kind of see what else is out there because I believe that those really, um, well, no, I'm, I'm going to take that statement back. I just think it's nice to know that it's there. And if you want to do something different and you're able to work with one-on-one with a professor that you really like, then it's nice to have that. Or if you're mm-hmm. doing digital humanities in the case of the CDEX or whatever. Like, it's nice to know to see, okay, these are other professional development opportunities that I can do for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, ahead of, you know ahead of time, so you know how to prepare. Yeah, no, they're great opportunities. And if it's being offered to you, um, it's definitely something to consider. And it's also um, worth applying for Yeah, as well. The next thing that was brought up was asking about funding. This is so important. This I think is, I've said that about everything, but this is really important. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and what we've said it before and we'll say it again, do not go to a program that is not fully funded. Yeah, like don't Just do period. it. It's not worth going into debt for. No, it's not. They should, um, you know, I was talking with one of our colleagues today and she was saying, they need you more than you need them. So if they can't give you a fully funded, if they can't provide a fully funded program, you don't need them. Oh man, it's the wrong one. Was that the surprise? Yeah. (laughs) There we go. That's the one. Dang it. I I couldn't remember the buttons. Do you want me to do it again? No, because I want to keep all of this in the episode. (laughs) Okay. I love it. There's Yay. more. Okay, I'll still surprise you with the other two. I couldn't remember which one was which. <gasps> That's okay. There's two more. I love it. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's Back amazing. to your point. Back to your That's point. That's amazing. Don't go to a program that can't fully fund you. Because they need you. They need you. They need you. You do all the work for them. Facts. I mean, you're teaching their classes. You're helping them create courses yeah because if they don't have students they can't create courses that they want to teach for those students if they don't have students so facts um yeah yeah, there's there's so many there's so many reasons why uh you should make sure that the program you're at is fully funded now master's programs that might be a little different i will say yeah that's a little different it's a little bit more of a toss-up there it's more of a toss-up but if you can find a program that's going to fund you in some capacity that's great even at oklahoma state like it was fully funded but i had to pay the fees yeah usually that that's usually a lot of them like where it's like you don't have to pay the full tuition but you do have to pay fees Mm -hmm. you might have to pay a portion of tuition it might be fully funded but you're not getting a stipend so you just need if you're going into an ma program definitely like see what 
kind of funding is going to suit you best if they can't offer a fully funded program. Um, and they'll know that money is important. Yeah. So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask about it. Like it is so important. I mean, that's years of your life that you're going to be living somewhere Mm -hmm. where you will need money to live, obviously. So, yeah. So, so don't be afraid to ask. That's one of the first things they tell you when they accept you congratulations okay now here's how much we're gonna pay you ask them ask them don't feel ashamed yeah and usually they'll tell you in your um acceptance letter and if they don't tell you in the acceptance letter they tell you later like they'll say like be on the lookout for um an email about funding you know that and they'll get it to you before that deadline of deciding is due i was just about to say do not accept until they tell you how much they're not accepting or not giving you yes yes that that play the this one yeah. bars for sure do not agree to anything until you know what the funding situation is if it exists and if it don't exist then if it pl- don't then exist you you do you do you but we would recommend to proceed with caution yeah yeah the other one is conference funding asking about conference funding this is also very important um it's all important let's be real but conference funding is also important because you want to make sure that when you apply to a conference you're going to be able to have that money reimbursed before we even continue let me say this maybe even asking if conferences are important that's true because i think they are just in general i think they are but i think depending on their emphasis sometimes like your master's students they may just say oh maybe just one to kind of get your feet wet yeah so maybe Mm -hmm. i would ask uh, do you want your grad students to conferences? And if they say yes, are you funding them? Yes. And, um, you know, that's really important because, like, honestly, like, depending on where your conference is and what the conference is, mm-hmm. right, it can be really expensive. Natalie yep. and I have done a whole episode on conferences. And um, at TCU, the budget for insta- in in um, what was the word I'm looking for? Uh, not domestic. in state. Domestic. There we go. Domestic conferences in the u.s our our conference budget for that or our funding that we get for that is eight hundred dollars which is not a lot of money if you're going to an international conference they'll give you twelve hundred dollars which again is not a lot of money um so i really think that the domestic budget should be twelve hundred dollars and that the international should be closer to like two thousand i don't know that but they probably don't have that um which is why they i don't know but because listen, my plane ticket alone to go to Indianapolis was like almost $700. Mm-hmm. My conference budget was $800. Yeah. If I'm already spending like 90% of my conference budget on a plane ticket, that's not covering registration fee. That's not covering food costs. That's not covering a hotel stay. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I did not have a hotel stay. I stayed with a friend, so that didn't matter. Um, but you know it's like that adds up so and then you know just also looking for research opportunities outside like you know um outside of teaching and stuff like that um see if there's maybe a professor who has a connection that uh like i'm i'm working with dr mccormick right um me and a few of the other grad students where we're writing um a piece and we're going to a conference coincidentally also in indianapolis oh funny but it's fully funded by the um program who's like funding our like research this 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 year so we're getting paid a stipend right and we are also 
getting budget money to do research and we're also going to this conference fully funded so that doesn't even involve tcu at all so there's opportunities like that as well i just don't know how to find them because this was all dr mccormick's doing so uh tbd on that but if you can find something where you can get to go to a conference fully funded and it's not even anything to do with your department even better because then you don't have to worry about like oh i'm only getting this much so i'm still spending this much out of pocket or whatever yeah and to that note um another one that i put under funding was research funding some places have to where you get they fund your research i mean i don't know how else to say it but like um at TCU, at least in our English department, they don't really have that. But I know some will fund certain, just certain research things that you have to do. So I wish I had more information about that, like from personal experience. But I know that there are programs, especially in like the sciences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why maybe it's a little bit different and we don't have that experience. But um, to see like if I were to conduct research or are there have there been previous graduate students who have done research and it's been funded or supported in some way maybe just five hundred dollars maybe a thousand i don't know but just asking yeah it all it all depends and like maybe i could ask dr mccormick to like kind of what goes into like writing a grant to get that funding for research stuff um because i don't really have any personal experience with that as of yet so i can't really speak to that but yes see if you're um program has budgeting for research funding i I think you're probably right probably more so in the sciences that's easier to come by um but maybe we just don't know about it now i think this is second to last one so we're almost done asking about teaching opportunities so this one's interesting there's a lot here so i'm gonna just kind of break it down and we can talk about it so how many classes well, to, let me take a step back. If you're a master's student, are you going to get to teach, period? Yes. That is something that you want to ask. Yes. And then we've talked about it. Natalie taught during her MA program at a I just TA'd, but I do remember them asking if any of us wanted to teach a class. And we all were like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. um, because we all were like, we don't know anything about teaching. We're not ready. We just want to be TAs. And they were okay with that. But had one of us, had some of us wanted to teach, they probably would have allowed that. Um, yeah. But so ask. Ask. Yeah. Ask to see if you're a master's student, ask to see if you get the opportunity to teach. If they say yes, when are you eligible to teach? Right? And are they paying you? And are they paying you? I mean, they, for, if they, should. they, they, they should. They should. They if they're going to make you teach, they're probably yeah. paying you. Yeah. But um, If you're a PhD student, you're more than likely... Well, actually, that's not true because I'm, I met some history folks and they... Some of them TA are long ways in. Huh. And some of them teach like in their later. So I would just yeah. get I would just get a general idea of asking, yeah. do I get to teach? How many classes do I get to teach? Because at TCU we teach one class. Right. And at Oklahoma State, I taught two classes. And yes. so I would ask, Am I gonna get the opportunity to teach? If so, when am I eligible to teach? How many classes am I going to teach? And what am I going to teach? Yes. In English, it's very obvious you teach first-year composition. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably have to do that for a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. But then 
you might be eligible to teach other types of classes. So in our department, um, people can teach, lit folk can teach intro to fiction, intro, intro to lit, intro to literature. Um, and then some advanced students get to teach um, other versions of our upper, up, upper level uh, rhetoric classes and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I know some students are doing WGST classes and things like that. And what so is WGST? Women and Gender Studies. Oh, wait, I knew that. What's the other one that I always hear? Chris? No. <laughs> There's one that's like writing something, something acronym that they use all the time. I don't know. Never mind. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think it's like writing. It's like part of the major. Like if you're an undergrad. Writing. I don't know. Like, you know, there's like, you can concentrate in like literature or writing at TCU. I think like this, sometimes the acronym they use for the writing concentration is weird. I mean, it's, is it the W-R-I-T? No. Girl, I don't know. It's funny because I'm currently doing enrollment numbers and I can only think of the lit classes, obviously comp, and then just a couple general, but that might just be other professors who are, t- I don't know, girl. It's not important. Anyway, I, either way though, it's nice to know what options are there. Yeah. If you're a sure. master's student, you're probably not going to get as many opportunities to teach a wide variety because obviously you're yeah. only there for a couple of years, but PhD is where it's at. You usually end up getting to teach more. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, just ask. And at TCU, we just also kind of started doing to where you can apply to adjunct as well. So if that's an opportunity available for you, ask. Because mm-hmm. if you can adjunct and make more money, then why then not? Better, then better for you. Because mm-hmm. if you can teach two sections of the same class and get paid to do it more, you're only lesson planning once. Yep. Yep. You yep. know? With that note, teaching support... Yes. I would ask if you do get to teach who's going to support me because let me tell you some places do not and TCU is not one of them TCU does a great job of supporting their teachers I, I misunderstood you and I thought you were saying TCU doesn't support students and no. I was like what <laughs> no trust me I, am, I was like wait what and then I, um sorry I misunderstood I was kind of like wait but you are our support. Yes. You're the ADC. <laughs> Some schools don't. TCU is not one of them. TCU does support. Yes. 100%. I can vouch for myself and Dr. Hogue. Yes. We teach. We teach. We support our teachers. Yeah. I would ask, say, okay, mm-hmm. is there, if I teach, what's my support? Because it's not just taking a class on composition pedagogy or whatever pedagogy. other variation. It's also having someone that you can turn to that you have questions. And yeah. usually that's what the WPA is for. But I would just ask. Yeah. And I think that's different depending on your program. Mm-hmm. I remember my ex telling me that, like, he had to teach, like, the the labs for, like, he was a physics um, mm-hmm. PhD. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me, like, they just threw him into teaching yep. labs. Like, I don't think they prepared him for anything they're just like yep you're you gotta you come to the big class with a bajillion kids yep and then you're gonna teach and they had like multiple tas to teach or um graduate instructors rather i guess Mm -hmm. teach the lab portion of the class however many times they had to meet and then like he didn't he wasn't given any like here's how to teach 
physics whatever, yeah. intro to physics i don't know whatever he taught um so he was just kind of like thrown into it so you know see what they're if they're going to make you teach see if they're going to actually try and prep you i mean there's no there's no real prep uh like actually just doing it but you know at least like giving you something to work with you know a syllabus some material you know some guided something or other uh training the week before like what we do something that can help you kind of get prepared for the fact that you are about to teach a class and not just being thrown into it facts yeah and the last one uh which is my favorite of them all aside from funding because funding is important asking about the grad community in the program yeah you know i never it never occurred to me to ask about that oh me either and it's interesting because i think i lucked out with my cohort being so great yeah and natalie who's not in my cohort but like she's still my bff so yeah Um, but like my cohort is so great like i really lucked out but can you imagine like if you go to a program and like you just don't vibe with the cohort or the any of them like you're you're just like i feel like a fish out of water like i don't have any friends here yeah which which i know that this is a a more complicated conversation because like you never know really the personalities and stuff Mm -hmm. but it is important to still ask to see how do they try to form a community Mm -hmm. that's really important because i feel like granted i don't i think i think we all really worked at lucked out like yeah. granted i attached myself to y'all's community you did so you know, and we were like bit. come to and us and i was like i love you guys um but i would have never thought about this and so so this one was one that somebody posted in the chat and they said this and i would second this so like just nobody knows the program more than a grad student who's currently there mm-hmm. so when you email when you're asking all these questions I would ask the director of graduate studies to put you in contact with a current grad student in your discipline, in Mm -hmm. your area of focus, and have a Zoom or meet with them if you're local to wherever you're applying or whatever. Yeah. And talk to them about Mm -hmm. all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I second that as well. Because it's really important. Like, I, again, like, I feel like I didn't ask. Um, I didn't ask at A&M either like I just kind of was like whatever I'm here like whatever Mm -hmm. and I kind of wish I would have asked what the um community was like because I think at A&M my cohort was really tiny and we all got along really well like I still talk to the people in my cohort but I think overall the community at large like in the grad program in English I felt like I didn't really fit in with a lot of those people um not like they were mean or anything like i mean i had friends who were in the phd program and stuff like that but nobody who i've really like stuck with and that's not because i didn't like them i think that's just part of life is just like you know things are busy there's people in the phd program at a&m that i would love to still be in contact with and all of that but i think some of the more upper level grad students were a little i don't know like it just i didn't feel like i was like included in things and i think a and m as a system kind of does that where they do a lot of this division of like ma and phd like you're still in the same classes but it's a lot more catered to the phd students which like i understand but they're kind of i feel like tcu does a good job of being like for all of you who want to be scholars like including master students including phd students they're not like pushing the ma students to the side where i felt like a&m kind of did that they're like okay well this is only for the phd students and like give them like career advice or something Mm. like as if we weren't we weren't going to be privy to that i'm like but we all want to go into a phd so why are we not being included in this like 
tidbit of information or you know conversation and so I feel like it felt kind of divided like that and I think that was more of a result of the professors who were teaching in the program not so much the students but I think like it kind of did create this weird like divide so it let me be close to my cohort but I felt like outside of my little bubble yeah. yeah outside of my little bubble it wasn't really the same they were like I'm a man. I'm 40. Dang it, I picked the wrong one again. I meant to do this one. We do not care. (laughs) (laughs) I I kind of love the out of context. I'm a man. I'm 40. So for all of you who know, that's Mike Gundy. He went viral for defending one of his football players. And so that's where it's from. I'm going to play it again. I'm a man. I'm 40. I love that. And it's just iconic. And so now, but anyway, this is the That's one I totally wanted what into. my cohort said. We do not care. <laughs> That's the, the football, the football coach for the Steelers who said that. We know, do press not conference. care. We do not care. Um, I'm sorry. I had, no, I tried that is like, amazing. Um, just cause football, I mean, like, have you been seeing the memes about Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're hilarious. Side yeah. note. I, I love I love football memes. Anyway, um, on that note, um, I just say reach out. Oh, oh, this is what I was going to say about grad community and all that kind of stuff. I have been the person who people turn to the director turns to about trying to like meet up with people. Yeah. They never turn to me. I don't know why. I think I'm lovely and personable. (laughs) You are. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I have no idea why I'm the one. Um, but basically the director of graduate studies at the time, would uh, reach out to me and say, hey, Natalie, so-and-so is interested in applying at this program where they got accepted and they want to know more. Like, would you be able to answer the questions? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I would Zoom with them and then I would, they would just ask me everything and then I would tell them everything and more and not like just keep it 100 with them. And so I think that's like the best way. And you could get all your questions answered that way too. But I mean, there's nothing. And you'll get the real answer. No. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I hope so. But I would um, hope you get the right answers from the people you reach out to to begin with. But like, yes, you know. Well, like I said, the 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 program director is not going to know the graduate student perspective, and so right. why would you not want to do that? So that's my biggest recommendation from all of these things. Like, reach out about all of these things that are great and fantastic, but mm-hmm. you can also get this from the perspective of a grad student, and so see if there's anybody that they can put you in contact with and hoping that that person will happily answer your questions and say more if need be. Yeah, I really think that and the funding are like the most important things. I agree. I agree. (laughs) But the other stuff is important as well. And then just a side note, because that's all of them. Just a side note, try to see if you can uh, access their handbook. Ooh, that's a great idea. Because the handbook could answer a lot of the questions. The handbook will tell you a lot of stuff. It'll tell you, like, I know TCUs like ours tells us, like, the entire course of, like, how the PhD or the MA is supposed to go, what you do each year, what what goes into the exams, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of that stuff could be answered via the handbook as well. Yeah. So ask them if you don't have access to it for some reason. Or if you're having trouble finding it. Because sometimes, like, sometimes navigating university websites are just... Like, I don't know who designs them, but sometimes they're just not good. Yeah, it, it can be kind of tough. So just ask, hey, can I see your handbook? And yeah. just hopefully yeah. they hopefully say they'll yes. just be like, yeah, here's a PDF. Uh, yeah. Like TCU actually has one of the best websites for, app- like, for applying for, mm-hmm. applying for mm-hmm. um, the program as well. It's like not confusing. It's very user-friendly. Kudos to TCU on that. Um, 
other universities not so much but you know anything else we want to add any other questions i feel like everybody in the chat dropped a lot of good stuff i think so too so i think that's it really i think we made really good points i think we made i think we talked about all things that are really important to consider before deciding on a school and yeah. um you know you just want to make sure you're doing all of this in a timely manner because sometimes that turnaround time to let them know comes up pretty quick so mm-hmm. don't if you are gonna if you get an acceptance letter if you wait to ask all of this stuff after you've been accepted which like obviously like i guess funding and stuff you won't really know until you hear back you can probably still ask in advance um if i get accepted what's the funding like um but just like if you wait until you hear from the school to ask all these questions don't dilly dally on it because that turnaround time when you have to let them know is like pretty quick yeah 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 timing is everything timing is everything so try and do that like before you hear back that way you kind of have that information before you make a decision yeah yeah i think that's it then can you do the i'm 40 i'm a man i'm 40 i love that (laughs) honestly side note and then we'll end the episode when i watched this video i'll send it to you later and i fell in love with my gunny not like in a love way like just like like, oh my gosh he's amazing and i was like i want to go to oklahoma state i love that it's because of that video i love that he's and, he, and i've met him in person i don't mean the like name drop it means nothing to those of you who do not know about college football but he's such a nice guy i'm sure and so this is just so iconic did you get a picture with sunny dykes of the thing no because he wasn't doing pictures this time oh because he got they're too popular <laughs> i got you yeah so but anyway you want me to press another one yeah okay <laughs> I love that. This is from Metal Gear Solid. From what? It's a video game. Oh, is it? Okay, wait, can you do them all one more time? Okay, so there's that one. The guns, or what is it? Horns. Yeah, the the hip-hop air horn. Hip-hop air horn. We do not care. We do not care. I'm a man! I'm 40! I love love them all, but I really love I'm a man, I'm 40. And I would love it if we played that out of context for no reason on the episodes just in between hot takes i will just, do it i'm a man i'm 40 i'll be in charge i love mike gundy now too he's amazing i'll send you the video thank anyway, you anyway <laughs> i think that's gonna wrap up today's episode i think so thank you so much for listening um if you have any questions comments concerns jokes etc that you want to let us know um you can email us at the phd podcast at gmail.com um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, send us some DMs, all that good stuff. Keep up with us on the gram. You can follow us follow us at the PhD to be podcast. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.